But we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And as we're turning there, we, we know that we've been studying the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. The reason why I say this is because it's important to know why we are studying, why we are in this four-part series of generosity. This is the last week that we are in this series. This uh, now culminates our last installment of our series, Now Generous Living. And I pray that we would be those that live generously. That we would be those that really this message after it would sink deep in our hearts. Because the message of giving, you don't, it's going to take a while for us to get to it again. <laughs> but we need to learn that message that we ought to be a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver is the title of today's message. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell him God loves a cheerful giver? No, but you have to say it with a smile. Somebody, God loves a cheerful giver. That's not the way God loves, that's not a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And it's so exciting to know that. Now, I want to tell you something when, as we're now reading this chapter is that you do not have to give. Nowhere does it say you have to. It's a, now a desire here in chapter 9, a desire that Paul wants to remind you now that you ought to do a desire. Because when you give yourself over to God, listen to this, you give yourself over to others and your heart is opened now to be generous. When you are given over to God, you automatically are given over to others. You see, the Philippian church, the church in Macedonia, the church of Thessalonica, these small churches were churches that were given over to God. Therefore, they were given over to others. Because they had an open heart to God, they had an open heart to others. And giving literally what it is, the meaning of generosity is love in action. Have you ever been in an opportunity in a position where God has given you the opportunity to give? That is love in action. That is demonstrating it. In fact, we've learned through the last few weeks that God wants us to give cheerfully. He wants us to give faithfully always, but He also wants us to give sacrificially. He wants you to give cheerfully with a good attitude, with enthusiasm, with joy. He wants you to give faithfully every time, through every season in your life, through the seasons when you're abounding. Through the seasons maybe where, where you're now trusting God for that next now resource that's going to come in. He wants you to give faithfully through every season. But He also wants to, you to give to Him sacrificially. Sacrificially. It's important that we give to God sacrificially. In fact, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament when it comes to sacrificially is when David was going to offer to God or build an altar to the Lord now and he went to buy oxen to go offer to God at this altar. And it says in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I'm going to read this to you. It says, Then the king said to Aranea, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now David is going to go sacrifice to the Lord. And here one man that owns oxen says, hey, you can have these. Go offer them to the Lord. He said, take them for free. And David said, no, I refuse to take them for free and offer to God something that costs me nothing. 
Now, if, if, it's, if it didn't cost you anything, can you call it a sacrifice? Just think about sometimes in our lives, we offer to God something that costs us nothing. And that's not only monetarily, that can be maybe your devotional life. They cost you nothing to get a, you know, to, to, to just do that devotion. It costs you nothing, your commitment now and where you're living today. But, but it costs you nothing in your spiritual walk that you find yourself in today. Guess what? God wants you to offer Him something that is from the heart. And when it's from your heart, guess what? It's sacrificially. It's sacrificially. And, and I'll tell you, when we talk about giving, giving is not a way of God raising money. It's it's, it's God's way of raising His children. Would you remember that today? The giving is not God's way of raising. It is God's way of raising His children because giving is you putting your faith and your trust in the Lord and you are giving only what's been given to you already. You know, do you remember maybe growing up and, and, or having a parent or a friend? I remember growing up and it was my dad's birthday and I would go excited and my brothers and I and, and would go and give him a gift. And that gift, we bought it with his own money. <laughs> and isn't that the same thing that we as God's children were doing when we're giving? We're giving back to the Lord something from what is already His. We're giving Him a gift. We're bringing our gift. We're bringing our generosity to the Lord. We're giving it to Him. We're giving it to others of what already belongs to Him. You see, this is a response of us from being bountifully blessed. And because we're so blessed, we're becoming more like the image of Jesus because His image is a generous image. Did you hear that today? That the image of Christ is a generous image. Therefore, if you want to become more like Christ, it is a generous image that we want to become like. And in chapter in verse 6 of chapter 9, let's pick up where we left off. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, it says, But I say this, He who sows sparingly, he who sows a little also will reap a little. It's the law of nature. If you sow a little bit into something, you're going to reap only what you've sown into it. You're going to harvest only what you have sown into it. And he who sows bountifully, who, he who sows with a blessing will also reap bountifully or reap also with a blessing. I work at a bank and I had a customer come in this week and, and he was telling me, I'm just so excited and thankful that I get to now use these funds that came in the mail. Me and my wife have been praying, he said. And we're praying and we're praying that God would just, get, just send us a check. We were waiting for this because this is a check for work that I had been doing. And this man, as he was sitting across my desk, he said, and as soon as I got the check, I grabbed that check, I went to my bedroom and I closed the door. And I got on my knees and I thank the Lord that he had provided. And he said, you know what I'm going to do with this? He didn't even know I was a Christian. <laughs> I'm going to give 10% to the Lord. It's going to be, four, I don't have to think about it twice, he said. He said, because, and I'll never forget this, because I'm better off with the 90 with the Lord than 100% without him. How many of us need to realize that today? That you are better off living with 90 with God than 100% without Him. See, there are times in our lives where we struggle financially and it also comes down to the root of how are we being faithful with what we already have. How are you being faithful with what you have already? 
Are you being faithful and a good steward of what you have already? Because with generosity also comes a promise, comes a now providence from God. And we learn that generosity is not something you do. It's an attitude that you possess so that you can go out and live it. It's an attitude. And at the end of the day, you want to ask yourself, like that farmer that sows sparingly or that sows bountifully, one farmer that sows sparingly at the end of the harvest season is going to have a barn full of seeds. While the other one that sowed now bountifully is going to have a now barn full of grain. And we want to be those people that are consistently sowing into the work of God. The New Living Translation reads this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will only get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. What kind of generous crop are you expecting today? Or what kind of crop are you expecting? What kind of harvest are you expecting Now let's go to the main verses, verse 7 and on of today's text. And it says, So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, here it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, and he quotes here in Psalms, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now from verse 7, as he's already told us that he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will be blessed with a large harvest. Now he goes on and shifts to verse 7, and he says this, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now I love this. The reason why he's teaching us about generosity is because we already have an example of our father, a generous father. Has God ever been cheap with you when it came to his grace, with his forgiveness? Has God ever kept back some of his mercy from your life? Did not God give you cheerfully, sacrificially, and faithfully when he sent the most valuable thing to him, which was his son now, to die on the cross, a statement of love, a statement of generosity? That is the example. And the reason why we're exhorted to be generous is because we have a father that has led the way when it came to generosity. Now it says in verse 7, let each one, I want you to underline each one. Because sometimes we think that only some are responsible, are are invited, are encouraged to give. Did you know that studies show that only 20% of those that come to church faithfully and regularly give to the Lord and to the Lord's work. Now right here it is exhorting that each one, 100% participation when it comes to generosity inside of the church and also outside of the church. That we would be generous people when we look at our neighbors, that we would be generous people when we think about our church, that we would be generous people. We think about our family, that we would display the traits and the character of generosity because it reminds people of Christ. That reminds people of Christ. You're never more like Christ than when you love someone, when you serve someone, and when you give to someone. Now it talks about an 100% participation as we're learning to give. This is important. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now as he purposes in his heart, the reason why he says this is because it's saying you all should give. Each one should give, but each one should give from their heart and it should come with the right attitude. 
That's what he uses purposes in his heart. In fact, that's what, what it means. It says each one should give as God has put in their heart. You see, when you're praying about giving to someone, maybe the Lord places someone in your heart. Maybe you receive your resources or your finances and it's time to give to the Lord. Each one should give as God has placed in your heart. The word purposes is the word as God has placed or as one decides. The word purposes comes from the word predetermined or has premeditated in his heart to give. Why is it premeditated or predetermined? Because our giving should be now planned. We should now predetermine, we should now look and say, Lord, I want to premeditate in my heart, Lord, what is it that you have now given me to give to others? We want to be intentional givers. We do not want to be impulsive. You know what impulsive giving is? It's, you know, I'm just going to give reactively. Versus saying, Lord, I want to give proactively, thinking about it as you purpose in my heart, as you placed into my heart, and, and, and let's read it right here as we continue reading because he's saying having made a decision to give generously and it talks about the heart. You know why it says heart? Because when you love the Lord, when you're loyal to the Lord, when the Lord has your heart, He has everything else as well. As He purposes in His heart. And your giving also demonstrates your loyalty to the Lord. It really does. It is a way of demonstrating that, that you love the Lord because if you say, well, I love the Lord, but I never give Him my time. I never spend time with Him on my word. I never spend time in prayer. I don't regularly attend the church or I don't serve the Lord. I'm not giving to the Lord. Does He really have your heart? As He purposes in His heart, it starts in your heart. And notice in, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, it, there's a blessing and it starts in your heart. In Deuteronomy 15 verse 7, now the Lord is commanding the nation of Israel to not have a close heart when it comes to giving. It says this, if there is any among you poor man of your brethren within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut up your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend to him sufficiently for the need, whatever he needs. You shall surely give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. You're not going to give to him and say, I can't believe I just gave to him. <laughs> or be upset about it. And it says here, it says, when you give to him for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put to your hand. Do you see how the Lord here in the Old Testament, he exhorts the nation of Israel to have an open heart and an open hand when it comes to meeting the needs of those that are poor. When it comes to meeting the needs of those that, that, that have a, a specific now purpose that we ought to be able to fulfill. It says here in verse 7 as well. As he purposes in his heart and he talks about the attitude, not grudgingly or of necessity. You see what grudgingly or of necessity means? It says you never should give reluctantly. You never should give being manipulated or with sorrow or with grief or with depression. That oh, I cannot believe and you're giving it away. But listen, you, you are actually kind of holding it back at the same time. Or you should never give in response to pressure. That's not the kind of giving that God wants. God does not want us to give in response to being pressured. 
In response to being now uh, complaining or, or being regretful out of compulsion, that is not the way God wants us to give. In fact, if we give that way, we might as well just not give at all. Because God is not honored when we give that way. God is honored, in fact, and it says it in verse 7, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, this is the response of someone that is giving with an attitude of gratitude. God loves what kind of giver? Church, a cheerful giver. No, let's say it like we believe that. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And the word cheerful is from the same word that we get hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that funny? God loves... Yeah, all of a sudden we start giggling, right? God loves a hilarious giver. What does it mean to be a hilarious giver? I mean, have you met someone that is just hilarious? Like, man, every time... Guys, hilarious. Every time we see him, he's just hilarious, right? That's the kind of giving that God wants. That every time you give, you give with an attitude that you are so happy. That you're smiling. That you cannot wait. That is the right attitude. That you are committed to give. God wants us to happily give to Him always. Because that's what, how God gives Himself. If every time it's time to get, you know, receive the offerings at church and you're just a man, you cannot, you're satisfied, you've given all week. You're walking into the agape box and you, man, you wait, Lord, just have someone stop me before I get there, Lord. <laughs> That's not a cheerful giver. You see, a cheerful giver is one that has an attitude of willingness, an attitude of enthusiasm. An attitude filled with joy that you have the privilege of giving. And true giving comes from a happy heart. Oh, I have a happy heart. I cannot wait to give. I cannot wait till it's my turn to give. I'm giving with a happy heart. It is my privilege. And I'm giving with this attitude because that's the way God gives to me. God never has given you anything with a bad attitude. God has never provided for your needs reluctantly. He has never provided for your needs and, and, and held back His grace. He's never looked at your family and said, you know what, I, I'm not, I, really, I cannot believe I have to provide for them again. Here you go, I have to provide for you again. He's never done that. God always with a, a, a big, generous heart, full of grace, gives to us. He is the ultimate cheerful giver. He is the ultimate cheerful giver and He delights to do it for us. It's not difficult to suggest why God delights for us to be a cheerful giver because He Himself is the cheerful giver and He desires now to see this characteristic now also modeled and in His children. If we're going to say, Lord, I want to be in Your image, then the best way that you can model His image is saying, Lord, I want to be cheerful when I give. And I want to take a step of faith and obedience. I want to take a step of faith and obedience. I want to tell you something before we end this series. You will never regret giving to God. You will never. There's never going to be a time in your life where you regret that you gave to the Lord. You know what? You want to know why? Because He has a generous response to that giving. He will bless your giving. He will multiply your giving. He will make your giving increase so that you can give even more. Do you know that when the Lord blesses you, it's because He trusts you with those resources to give? And then when He blesses you more, it's because I, you're just a conduit. You're just a channel. You're just a reservoir of blessing, a fountain that is just giving out. So the Lord says, I want to pour into that person because they're just giving out more. And it's for the glory of God. Now verse 8, it says this, and God is able. Underline that, please. God is able. You know why we, this is so important? Because sometimes we worry. 
If I give, this is what I'm going to have left. We worry. What do we think? Well, I, if I give, then I won't have enough to meet all my needs. You see, giving generosity comes with a promise of providence that God is able to do something here for us. He's able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What does that mean? God is able to give you grace abound. He's going to abundantly give you grace. He's not going to hold it back towards you. Now, when I read this, this makes me expect now a blessing in my life. There's a blessing when I give, the blessing of knowing I'm part of God's work, number one. But also there's a blessing in knowing that His grace is not going to be held. It's going to abound toward me. What does this mean? God's going to bless your giving. God will bless your giving. And how is, he, how is He going to bless you giving? Well, He can make His grace abound toward you materially. He can make His grace abound toward you spiritually as well. Maybe by freeing our hearts from greed, from materialism as well. By giving us a sense of blessing, giving us a sense of happiness, of storing up rewards in heaven when we're giving here on earth. And that's the grace that is abounding towards us, that He is providing for all that we need. But what does it tell us here in verse 8 as well? He's able to make our grace abound to that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, what does it mean that you're going to have sufficiency in all things? It means that He's going to meet every single one of your needs. There are times where we are maybe worried. Is God going to meet every one of my needs? But you're faithful to the Lord. He's going to meet all your needs. And we want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you because I know that your word tells me that you will never fail me. That word says He is now having all sufficiency in all things. You know what the word sufficiency means? I want to tell you the word sufficiency means contentment. That means that when the Lord gives to you, you will be satisfied with what He has provided. There are times when the Lord gives to us and we're not satisfied with what He has provided. We are not content. It's the same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, where he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what the special gift of us giving that God gives us sufficiency in all things. Not only does He meet our needs, He also gives us contentment in everything that we have. We're fully content. We're grateful. You notice that the, the best givers are those that have a sense of gratitude. The best givers are those that have a sense of gratitude for what they already have. In fact, that's exactly why they give. Because they're motivated by gratitude. Selfish hearts never give. It is grateful hearts that are giving always. Now it tells us this, sufficiency in all things, and that here you may have an abundance for every good work. Now when I read that verse, it, it, it really is a promise that gets me excited about the Lord blessing my life so that I can continue giving. Now does He say you're going to have an abundance so that you can go out and, and have all these wonderful things? Well, yes, He's blessed you abundantly and there is nothing with enjoying the blessings, nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God. But the reason why He blesses you abundantly, it's, it's for what? It tells us this at the end of verse 8, for every good work. God is going to bless you abundantly. He is going to give you enough. Even There's going to be even enough left over so that you can use it to share with others. You see, God will provide for those that give so they can continue giving for every good work. The New Living Translation reads this verse like this. 
and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need, listen to this, and plenty left over to share with others. Do you not know that God, as He blesses you, He's given you resources, He's trusted you with resources, so that you can continue giving to others? You see, one of the names of God, and I want you to write this in your Bible, one of His names, His Hebrew names, is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Remember when that time where you are maybe fearful, that time where you're scared, maybe that time where you don't know if you're going to have enough, maybe that time where, where you are praying and waiting for an answer, Jehovah Jireh, God provides. Jehovah Jireh. He never fails me. He always provides. He's able to make all grace abound towards me. God's grace, and notice this, when God gives me grace, His grace is never fruitless. His grace is always fruitful. That means that when I receive the grace of God, when I receive that supply from God, it is, it is now called to bear more fruit. That's what the grace of God does. When God gives you grace, He doesn't give you grace so you can keep it to yourself. He gives you grace so that it would be fruitful and abound also to others. What are you doing with the grace of God in your life today? Are you being faithful with His grace? Because He's, made, he's able to make all grace abound towards you. In Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25, King Solomon tells us this very exact thing. He says, this is the one who scatters, yet increases more. Have you ever known someone that gives away, yet every time you see them, they have more? <laughs> this is the one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. Well, these are some wise words. He's saying there are those that scatter, but however, just the way they scatter, they increase in more. There are those that keep back, but those that keep back, thinking they're going to save or keep for themselves, it leads them to poverty. Verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Well, wow, this is amazing. I want to be watered by the grace of the Lord, and we all want that as well. But what does it take? It, it takes also that we would have an open heart to receive that now grace, and how do you have an open heart? By willing to also give. That's what an open heart looks like. We're blessed. And as we are blessed, then we can be a blessing. As you're blessed, you can be a blessing to others as well. Ask yourself today, am I a fountain in the life of people or am I a drain? <laughs> what does a drain do? A drain just sucks everything out of that person, right? And everywhere I go, I, I, you know what? I don't know who the drain is. Maybe it's you, you know? <laughs> Am I a fountain or am I a drain? God has not called us to be reservoirs of blessing. We're holding back blessing. God's called us to be channels of blessing. Are you a reservoir of blessing, keeping back that blessing? Or are you a channel of blessing? And now in verse 9, he describes from Psalms now, chapter 122, verse 9. He now quotes this. He says, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, when we read this, we think he's talking about God, but he's not. He's talking about that person that's generous. That man and that woman that's generous, he's quoting from that verse in Psalms. He or she has dispersed abroad, dispersed, given abroad, liberally. He has given or she has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. These are the marks of one that is right with God. His righteousness endures forever. What does it say this? 
Because the impact in what you're giving, these are the qualities now of the righteous person or of the person that is standing right before God that he's willing to share, he's willing to disperse abroad, he's willing to open his heart, and guess what? His right standing with God is going to endure forever. God will reward that giver. He will endure forever in being right with God. He has opened his heart. Now in verse 10 it tells us this, Now may he, talking about the Lord, and look at the promise that is in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. This is amazing. He who provides, he who supplies. Who's your supplier? Your, our number one supplier is the Lord. Our supplier is not our now job or employment. Yes, the Lord is using them to provide for you, but your supplier is the Lord. And now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now why is he saying this? He's praying now here, Paul, for the church of Corinthians. He's praying here for the church of Corinth. He's saying, now he who provides the, the seed all the way to the bread that someone eats. The same God that who provides the seed, the same God also that goes to the harvest, the supplier, the provider. I want you to write next to this verse, Philippians 4.19. Write that down, please. Because it says this, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, does it say that God's going to supply all of your wants? <laughs> A lot of times we say, Lord, thank you because you're going to supply all my wants. And I cannot wait to pray for this. I'm going to expect it. No, God's going to supply for everything you need according now to the riches in His glory to, to, to praise Him, to return glory to Him by His Son, Jesus. Notice that everything that He supplies is for His glory. It's for His glory, not for ours. And it tells us this as we continue reading the second portion of verse 10. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and may He increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, here's two petitions that He is praying for when it comes to the generous heart. May God now supply, right? But may He also multiply now the seed that you're sowing. May He stretch everything that you give. May He make it abound. May He make it multiply everything that you give. That's exactly why when we, when we receive the offerings, we want to pray, Lord, multiply the giving and stretch every single thing that, you, that, Lord, that the church is receiving. Or, Lord, multiply the way that I give outside of church as well. Lord, multiply the time that I serve. Multiply the, the, the time that I give to others. Multiply, Lord, now the heart and the resources that I have for other people. May He stretch and multiply all of that. But he also, he says in that same line or in that same verse, it says, multiply now the seed you have sown and increase. This is a great verse here. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now God wants to increase the fruit. God wants to increase your resources. God wants to increase the work of your hands. And why does he want to increase this again? For that same reason. He wants to increase it, the fruit of your righteousness, so that that same fruit, so that that same work can produce a generous harvest. Do you see how, why God wants to increase it? Why Do you see why He wants to pray this prayer as well? Because He wants God to multiply and to increase your generosity so that He can also multiply now your standard of giving. There are times sometimes where we believe the Lord has given me a little bit of raise, the Lord has given me a promotion. Man, this is so that I can raise my standard of living. 
When God said, no, I want you to raise your standard of giving. You think about this is exactly what he's praying for. I want you to raise your standard of giving. Because God, just like he provides for the seed, just like he provides for the harvest, I pray that he multiplies the way that you give. I pray that he multiplies your resources so that even you have more room to give and your generosity would even abound even more. Now verse 11, let's continue reading. Well, you are enriched in everything. God has blessed us with everything for all liberality. How does God bless us? He blesses us spiritually. He blesses you with gifts. He blesses you with spiritual gifts. He enriches you with even material gifts. And that's a blessing to know that the church is blessed that way. It's a blessing to know that God has generously so blessed His church, His people, even with finances. It's a, and we all are. Think about it. But, but listen to this. He's enriched you in everything for, for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Why, does he, why has He blessed you? For what? For the purpose of liberality. For the purpose of liberally giving to others. For the purpose of being generous now. See, this word here, liberality, in verse 11, it means the word abundantly or it means the word generously. God has enriched you for abundant generosity. God has enriched you so you can give. And what does it cause your giving in verse 10? It tells us this, or verse 11, I'm sorry. Which causes giving, liberality, generosity, abundance in blessing others. Causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now notice this, through us. Through us means that God is using you and through you, you're going to give to someone else. And when you give to someone else, it causes them to thank God and God is glorified. That means that we are a channel and the Lord is saying, you know what? I, I, I want to bless my children. And I'm looking for someone that is willing to give. And as He uses your life to go give, that other person, their heart is touched by the love of God and they're thanking God. It causes thanksgiving to God. There is nothing that glorifies or worships God more than a heart of thanksgiving. And that's exactly why He's saying this is so important because this causes thanksgiving. This was going to cause thanksgiving to God from the church of Jerusalem because the church of Corinth was giving. And when they were giving, they were pointing them back to giving thanksgiving to the Lord. Now from verse 12 to verse 15, there's a four, there was a fourfold fruit as to why we should give. There's four reasons as to why that we should learn to give or the results of our giving or the ministry of giving is fruitful in four ways. If you're asking yourself today, and this is the last time that, 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 that we end this series of giving or generosity, you're saying, why is it that I should give? I, I still don't know. I, I still haven't got the point. Well, number one, giving meets the needs of others. Write that down. Giving meets the needs of others. We're going to see that. It meets the needs of the church. Verse 12, the basic needs, the essential needs of the church. It also meets the needs of those that are in need, those that have a, uh, a certain... now. Uh, resources that they're lacking. Number one, giving meets the needs of others. Number two, giving gives others a reason for gratitude. Number two, giving gives others a reason for gratitude. Number three, giving gives others a reason to glorify God. Do you know that when you give, it gives other people a reason to glorify God? Yes, it does. We're going to see that right now. And number four, giving gives others a reason to pray for you. This is amazing. Why? Because giving now creates unity and creates concern for one another. 
You know, when you give to someone, it creates concern for one another. Now, they're praying for one another. Let's read in verse 12. It says this, For the administration to this service, or the ministry of this giving now, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also abundantly through the many thanksgiving to God. There we go. Number two, verse 12. What does giving do? It meets the needs. It supplies the needs of others. It supplies the needs of others. For the administration of this gift or the ministry of giving is fruitful in that it supplies the needs of the saints. Giving supplies the needs of the church. Number one. But also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. Also what giving does, it abounds in others giving thanksgiving to God. And God is blessed by that. God is glorified by that in, in that our giving gives others or makes an opportunity for others to have a grateful heart or, or to give thanksgiving and to worship to God because of your giving. It shows them the love of God. Have you ever, someone's ever came and gave you something, you're so grateful and you feel the love of God? Well, give someone an opportunity to thank the Lord and go and give. Give someone an opportunity to be grateful and go and give. You see, giving from, from Christians now, giving from the Corinthians here, is now a reason for there to be a thanksgiving directed not, back not to the Corinthians, but a thanksgiving to be directed to God. And that's exactly what the Lord wants. The value of impacting others for God's sake. Let's read in verse 13. Well, through the proof of this ministry, this ministry always also proves something. It proves that giving is for the glory of God. For the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. Now, through this ministry, people glorify God. Why are they glorifying the Lord? They're glorifying God because it demonstrates now, and your giving is a tool to point others to the Lord, and they res and which results in worship. But it tells us specifically that they're glorifying God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. Did you know that you are confessing God? You're confessing the gospel? You're confessing Jesus every time you give? It's a confession? In fact, what, it, what, what does it mean to confess? It means to acknowledge the truth. And confession is all about obedience to God's word. It demonstrates true faith. So he's saying, we know that you're the real deal, that you're confessing the truth, that you're obeying the truth, that what you say you actually mean because it's demonstrated in the giving that you are providing. It demonstrates true faith. You are really confessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your generosity is a way of confessing the gospel. I mean, that's a powerful. When you give, it is a way that you are confessing the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, I am living obediently to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a proof of God's work and God's word in your life when you give. Now, I want to ask you this question. Now, that being said, do you confess or are you denying God in the way you give right now? What does your giving say about your confession to God? Is it obedient are you confessing Him or are we denying Him? Because He's saying people are glorifying God that you truly confess and you are the real deal and you're obeying the Lord. That you are demonstrating true faith. Let's read on in verse now 13. It says, And for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And they also glorify God because you're sharing. 
And some of us don't like to share. <laughs> we don't like to share our time, share our love sometimes. We like to be reserved, held back, and, and say, I just want to keep to myself. But that's not the call of Christ to keep to yourself. It's called to be open. And he's saying here, we're glorifying God because you're sharing and you're being liberal when it comes to your sharing. So therefore, they glorify God. Since you've been wow, liberal and you've been sharing with us and also with others. See, the word sharing is the word that we know of as now koinonia in the now Greek that we read of. Koinonia. What does koinonia mean? A lot of you have heard it. It means fellowship. It means communion. When you have fellowship, when you have communion with people, guess what? You're willing to share. You're willing to open up your heart. It means sharing things in common. We glorify God because we have koinonia. Isn't it amazing that today we're having koinonia right here? That we're sharing this time together. We're sharing our time together. We're sharing time in God's word. This is fellowship. After, we're going to go and share some time together as well. Maybe you'll have koinonia with your family, sharing in fellowship and a meal later on. That's what it means. He said, we're praising God that there is fellowship when it comes to your generosity. You see, when we share our lives, koinonia means fellowship. That's amazing. When you share your life, koinonia means fellowship. When we remember what Jesus did on the cross, what do we do in the first Sunday of the month when we have communion? Koinonia means communion. And we're sharing that, remembering Jesus' work. But when we share our resources to one another, sharing now, or koinonia, means sharing. And it's a result of the ministry. It's, a, it's, it's an act of worship that produces more worship. Giving is an act of worship that produces more worship. Why does it say that? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. And we've all heard this verse. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. You're the light of the world. You shouldn't go somewhere and hide and pretend, be an undercover Christian. I don't want them to find out. Let people know through your works that you're a Christian. And it says this now. Nor do you put a lampstand under a basket, but on a lampstand, a lamp under a basket, or on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your what? Good works. And then glorify you or God. Glorify God in heaven. Glorify your Father in heaven. The church now in Jerusalem was expected and was going to glorify God in heaven because of the good works of those that were being light because of their giving. You're the light of the world. That means that your neighbor ought to know you as a generous neighbor. I was talking to my wife yesterday. Man, Mother Lord put it in my heart as I was studying. Go by, you know, your neighbor... Some, you know, some lunch or dinner. <laughs> because I want them to know you as a generous, now, neighbor. I want them to realize that you are one that is filled with the love of God. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing, generous. Why? Because God's grace has abounded towards us. Alan Redpath says this, The avalanche of grace rushes down upon us from the throne of God. Think about an avalanche. From the throne of God, the avalanche of grace is rushing down upon us in Christ is supremely for the reproduction of the character and conduct which will make men see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Man, do you just picture an avalanche of grace coming into your over your life? And it's only supremely for the reproductive purpose that others would see your, uh, your good works and glorify God in heaven. Why? Because grace... 
is not fruitless. Grace is fruitful. It glorifies God. Now, verse 14 and 15 as we end. And by their prayer, generosity always also cultivates concern and prayer. The church in Jerusalem would pray for the Corinthians because of their giving. And by their prayer for you, who long for you, they, they desire, they have a deep affection for you. It's creating unity because of the exceedingly grace of God in you. Your giving has created this exceedingly grace. Your overflowing grace in your life has created a concern. And they're going to pray for you. It is His grace overflowing. It is His grace that is visible. It is grace that is felt by them. It is His grace that is received by them. It is grace that has been passed on to them. And because the grace has been passed on, felt, received, and visible to them, they're going to pray for you. Because grace is overflowing in your life. Now this is amazing. That giving creates a concern. And verse 15. Think about this. As we now wrap up this, this chapter. This is such an important chapter. And it says here. Thanks be to God. He just stops for a moment. He stops for a moment when he thinks about the grace of God. And I, when you think about the grace of God. You have to pause. And he stops for a moment, and, and I pray that maybe you're driving, or today you go home and you open your Bible, you get a notebook out, and, and you start writing everything that you're thankful for maybe. That's what it's going to take for you to be a better giver. That you write everything that you already have and you're already thankful for, so that God can change the way you get. But he stops and he just, just thinks about the grace of God, and he says, thanks be to God for this undescribable gift. <laughs> And do you see the exclamation point at the end of verse 15? He didn't say, thanks God for his gift. Thanks. Have you ever got a gift and you're so thankful that you have to let other people know? I mean, today, if you get something new, you want to show it off all the time. You want to let people know you got a gift. You post it in social media. You let other people know. You send it a picture. You sort of group text. You'll, say, you'll let people know this gift. But he's saying here, thanks be to God. For this undescribable gift. What an example. Because it's not about what the gift is. Or not, not what grace is. Grace is not an it. Grace is a who. Thanks be to God for His grace. Grace is not an it. Grace is a who. And His name is Jesus. Do you understand how He's saying, Oh, thanks to God for this undescribable gift. This, this gift that I don't even have words to describe is Jesus. Do you notice the gratitude in Paul's heart here? Why is, it, why is there gratitude here? Because it's from the heart of gratitude that we learn generosity. He's immersed in gratitude here. Oh, thanks to God for this undescribable gift, Jesus. And from that, he's inspired, he's motivated to give. The best motivation for us to give is our gratitude. It's the undescribable gift is Jesus now. Because our gratitude determines our obedience when it comes to giving. Now, what is this gift? His gift this gift is Jesus. It's a person. It's salvation. It's forgiveness. It's a gift that God wants you to have. That God also sowed. Do you know how God sowed? God sowed. The Father sowed in that He buried His Son. Listen to this. He buried His Son. As He buried His Son sacrificially, He reaped now a harvest to those who would put their trust in the resurrected Christ. Do you see how God sowed, the Father sowed? He sowed sacrificially His Son. 
that he would reap a harvest of people to those that would put their faith and trust in the resurrected living Christ. That's the example, ultimate example. And it makes it possible for us to be believers that sacrificially, cheerfully, and faithfully give. It's an indescribable gift. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God. In Ephesians 2.8, it tells us, For by grace you have been saved. It is a gift from God. Again, a gift from God, not of works lest any of you should boast. Grace is a gift. Do you have that gift? Have you received that gift today? I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive that gift right now. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus. The gift, Lord, that was supremely given to us. The gift of salvation. We thank you, Jesus, because you did not withhold grace from us. 